Welcome to a homegrown family podcast where we grow the produce and the kids. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Joe Mettler, your host to the Homegrown Family Podcast. Welcome back here as we take a little bit of a break here for the past month as my family and I went on vacation here to Italy. And so today I just want to talk a little bit about our travels and also kind of what it was like traveling with our kids, our our child, just one two-year-old. That's it. That's all I got. (laughs) So anyways, I'm here today with my wife to kind of talk a little bit about this adventure that we had. And so why now? Why did we go to Italy now? It was because my brother Nicholas is studying abroad in Rome through a program out of the University of Marietta Bismarck. And so this year was kind of the year that we pulled our budget together and made it happen. We also decided to bring our daughter with us, Sophia, our two-year-old. And so as we were kind of planning our trip here, we had many discussions with our people saying, hey, yeah, we're going to Rome. We're going to bring our two-year-old with. And sometimes we get the response of, oh, wow, aren't you, uh, don't you just want to go by there by yourselves? You know, why bring your two-year-old with? You're not going to remember it. This or that. And uh, I don't know. For Nora and I, it was always kind of like, it wasn't even a question that we were not bringing her with. It was just kind of known that we were going to bring her with. And for me, you know, my response was kind of like, Sophia may not remember it, but we'll remember bringing her. And I think we should associate her with traveling and things like that. It was kind of always my mentality. I don't know, Nora, was uh, your mentality kind of similar in that regards? I don't know. I didn't really make much of a response when people said it because I just figured she was going to come with us regardless. Um, I think the biggest question people had were, well, she's going with you, but she's not going to remember it. And like Joe said, she might not remember it, but we'll remember bringing her. And I also remember just traveling a lot with my parents. And yeah, it was just never a question whether or not we were going to bring her. Yeah. And I think like Norm mentioned, it's kind of an important thing for both of us. When we were small and we were kids, our parents liked to travel with us. I remember quite a few different trips. You know, my parents took a, rented a big RV camper and brought us over to, over to visit my cousin Justin and his family over in Virginia Beach. We also took a little road trip to Washington State one time to see uh, a Mark, our foreign exchange student. I don't remember him, but I know that he was there when I was little and he maybe remembers me. And I also think Mark might be listening to this podcast now. So, hey, Mark, how's it going? <laughs> Shout out to Germany. Um, some of these road trips were with like five kids at a time, you know. And so it wasn't wasn't always easy for my folks to be able to do that or, or financially sound, perhaps. It wasn't, it was a, it's a strenuous thing for them to do and to accomplish. I definitely appreciated that. Um, one of the more memorable trips that we've taken as, or that I've taken as a child was a trip to the Grand Canyon. We still talk about it to this day, hiking down to the bottom of the Grand Canyon and back up the Bright Angel Trail, which is about 20 miles round trip. And as you're going down, it says, do not attempt to hike this in one day. And dad's like, hey, we're going to hike it in one day. <laughs> so I remember talking to my dad on the way down. He's like, I'm like, dad, it says not to do it one day. Oh, don't worry about that. So I think the youngest brother that went was Michael. And I think he was nine or 10 at the time. I could be wrong. I was like 16. So I, yeah, that's about right. And, uh, I think it was about ready to pass out by the time we got to the top, <laughs> you know. But um, some of the crazy adventures that we've had. But anyways, <laughs> so that's some highlights that I've traveled. So we've seen traveling as an important thing for our family and for our kids. And Nora's traveled a little bit with her folks as well. So I've personally always had a travel bug. Growing up, it was just my sister and my brother and my parents. And every summer, 
My mom was a school teacher, so we would take what were called field trips. So it was usually some place that we had learned about in school or she knew that was coming up. So in American history, when we were learning about the Declaration of Independence, that's the summer that we would go to Washington, D.C. and look at the Declaration of Independence, like, in person. My mom always said, you remember the things more um, when you see the things that you're learning about. And so that was always what guided us. I remember in fifth grade, we had to do a project on a state. So we got to pick a state. And then we would travel to that state that summer. So my state was Wyoming. And I did an ABC book. So you had to do the whole alphabet thinking of places in Wyoming or things. And then that summer, we got to go to Wyoming and I got to plan the trip. And yeah, it was really fun. Did you know that you got to travel to that state when you did the project, when you started, when you picked your state? No, we didn't know I was going to say, I would have picked Hawaii or Alaska right off the bat. Well, <laughs> uh, it was not, a, it was like a number drawn out of a hat and I was like one of the last. Uh, I did that one. State. I, I did my home state of Minnesota. So that was, that's what I did when I did that project. But, <laughs> well, and everyone had to choose a different one. Like you couldn't double up. And then my sister had Nebraska and then they got rid of it. So my brother never had to do it. So mm-hmm. he never got to. Um, and then I've done a lot of international travel too with my grandma. And so I've just always grown up with a travel bug. And I always knew that I was going to travel. When we got married, I told Joe that we're going to travel. Like I didn't want to be tied down somewhere where I couldn't travel. So it's just always been part of our life. Your, what was your favorite trip with your grandma? I would say visiting Ireland. Because that's where her mother came from. And so it was fun to see her interact with her ancestors and my ancestors. And we got to meet family along the way and a great aunt two summers in Cork. So that was really fun. And then my sister and my mom went too. So it was a three-generational trip. Nice. What other places have you been? Let's see. She went to Costa Rica with me. We've been to Italy together. So I have been to Rome or I did go to Rome before this trip. Uh, when we went to visit my sister doing the same program. And then I spent a month in southern France by myself. And then I've been to Iceland with friends, Ireland, Canada. You count Canada. Yeah, Snora's been the the traveler of us. I've only been to, I guess, a road trip to Alaska twice when I moved there and when I moved back. And then I've been to Costa Rica. That's pretty much it. I think when I counted up my states last time, I think I'm at like 32 of the 50 states that I've, like, been in, stepped foot in, done something, not just driven through. I'm probably pretty close to the same amount, I think. So, it's my goal to hit all 50 and to be on all seven continents. So far, I've been three continents and 32 states. There you go. <laughs> so, this traveling thing, it's kind of one of the things that, um, as we are considering or highly considering, you know, potentially homeschooling our children, is that we see traveling as a potential opportunity kind of similar what maybe Nora had did with some of her parents during the summertime when her mother was not teaching, going on like these different road trips and things. And hopefully I'll be able to have a position or a job that will also allow me to take some time off to be able to travel with kids, to be able to teach them different things, you know, show them the Grand Canyon when they're talking about, you know, geology or different things like that, or that whole Southwest part of the United States, which I haven't quite hit yet. So got a lot left to go there. Well, people are thinking like, well, why can't you just travel during the summertime? And it's like during the summertime, if you want to do any international travel or really any travel in general, it's a very high season. So there's lots of people. It's very expensive. So like we chose to go in November because 
it was kind of a saddle season for Europe. So like all the Europeans were back in school. All the tourists had kind of cleared out. It wasn't as hot because Rome can be mm-hmm. like 110, 115. Okay, probably not that high. Probably like hundreds though, I think is what Nicholas and said. Humidity. And it's very humid because it's on the coast. So all of those things, it just, it gives you a little more freedom to travel cheaper. Because mm-hmm. I think that's one of the main drawbacks. People are like, well, it's going to be so expensive. And it just, yeah. we just plan for it. We don't. Was that- we don't we we made a lot of sacrifices leading up to it. Like we didn't eat out a lot. We didn't. I don't know. We just yeah. Our checking account went up a little bit a couple months prior. Saved some money on tickets. I think it was what around three grand, about a thousand a person, basically. Yeah, and that was with the upgrade to choosing your own seats and yeah. with travel insurance too. Yeah, so which I, I think we just got travel insurance because it was more like winter time ish. And you never know if we get COVID. And we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess that's one thing we'd recommend was, you know, upgrade your seats. And if you're lucky, like we were on our first leg there, we're in the middle seat of four, and the one person in the fourth spot was empty. And so we were able to have four seats to ourselves. Yeah, it was a very empty flight. So we had the whole middle row to ourselves so Sophia could lay down. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of strategically pick your locate your spot, you know, rather than just doing a three-row spot, you know, or two-row and then a one-seater next to you. And I can try to go for that. You know, getting lucky and getting the four seats to yourself. But yeah, so with Rome in November, it's usually a little colder. I think it was typically supposed to be like 50 to 60 degrees. And when we were there, it was like 60 to 70. And I know that the uh, orchardists and, and vineyardists around the area were kind of worried that their crops were going to start budding again because it was so warm, warmer than average for that time of year. So we lucked out with some warmer temperatures. It's also kind of the beginning of the rainy season. And so two weeks prior to the, you know, going, it looked like it was supposed to rain every day. So we had to pack and make sure we had some raincoats with and things like that. Fortunately, most of the time we did have rain, we were indoors looking at, you know, the Vatican museums, or we were actually doing a side trip to a different town when it was raining in Rome. And so it panned out really nice. We got a little bit of luck on our side, that's for sure. I think the only day that it rained was our second day in Florence mm-hmm. when we were trying to walk around and see the city and we kind of just gave up. <laughs> Went yeah. to a cafe and ate. Yep. So kind of circling back to, you know, why we think it was important and why did we say yes, we are bringing Sophia, is because we felt like it's important to, you know, children to see different things, be more culturally aware, be able to listen to other languages. You know, she's only been, you know, used to English. To hear people talk and not understand them, you know, at that age is different than not understanding when you're first trying to learn how to talk. Um, it extends their boundaries. It teaches them a little bit of adaptability. Kind of gets them out of their routineness of their, you know, routine lives. And so as far as uh, children's development and then also the kind of extending the boundaries of their imagination, you know, now they know they've been on a train. They've been on a flight. We were talking about this flight for like a month prior to leaving. We're going to go fly on a plane in two days? No, no, Sophie, two weeks. Two days? <laughs> you know, she very much knows what a plane is and a train and a bus and all the different public transportation avenues. She also did really well. I also just have to preface that our daughter has a really great personality and she's very easygoing and she does not, like when her routine is off, she does adapt well. I Mm -hmm. don't know if we would be talking, if other children didn't have that adaptability, I think would be a very different story for families. True. You have to, you have to, you have to gauge it based on their personality and like, is it going to fly? Is it not going to fly? Yeah, and we knew our child, and so when people are questioning, you know, you bring your child with, 
well, yeah, she can handle it. We know she can, you know. And we like spending time with her, too. She's a joy to have around. And so going two weeks without seeing her was making us feel... Yeah, the, rom- the romantic thing would have ended in like three days. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, let's take a little time to let's like uh, tell you guys what we all did real quick here. And we'll kind of throw in a little bit of things, traveling tips maybe. So we left on a Wednesday, flew into Rome. On the first flight there, I'd recommend an, an, you know, a red light evening flight. Children can Which sleep is what most, on the way. Well, most flights over the Atlantic going to Europe are night flights. Oh, I so would say the majority are I thought are we were just smart. No. The majority <laughs> are night flights. The international traveler has it spoken. Helps, <laughs> it helps with the time difference. The change in time difference. Yep. So we flew on Wednesday, got there Thursday, late afternoon, and then had a kind of like a evening to kind of hang out with my brother Nicholas and kind of hang out a little bit. And then we had Friday in Rome to kind of recover. We spent the day in a cemetery looking for <laughs> a servant of God that I really wanted to see, that I've read her book, and I didn't want to use my data plan. And we spent four hours in a cemetery, and we walked right by it within 30 minutes of being in there, and we just didn't know it. What's the servant of God's name again? Chiara Corbella Patrio. What's her story, briefly? Uh, so she was the mother of... Three children, they were all stillborn, and then she got a terminal cancer diagnosis that she refused treatment for when she was pregnant with her third, and then she ended up having that baby and then passing away soon after. The The subtitle of the book is called Witness to Joy because she just showed so much joy in life, and so she's buried in the cemetery of Rome, and there's like a nice little... I don't know. It wasn't a shrine, really. It was just it was just a simple grave site that was kind of walled off. But it was really cool. I mean, I thought it was interesting for the first, like, 30 minutes going yeah. to the cemetery. Or, and oh, then... we're going to go to this little cemetery first, check this out, and then we're going to head over to... Our next excursion was going to... John Lateran, one of the churches. St. John Lateran, that we never ended up going to. Yeah, we didn't go to it because we didn't have time anymore. Yes. <laughs> I mean, European cemeteries are kind of cool. And it wasn't like, when you, if you Google it, it's like one of the top spots, not top spots, but one of the attractions to see is to walk into the cemetery. It's very different than the rest of the city. So then we wanted to go over to um, St. Sebastian's Catacombs because one of my nephews, Sebastian, um, and maybe you can explain this a little bit more Nora quickly, no? He's struggling with some different medical, uh, diagnosis. medical diagnosis and some intervenal connections with the rain and stuff. So something a little bit rare, but... Anyways, so we wanted to go, and we had a St. Sebastian medal we wanted to bring with and, you know, place at the tomb and ask for the intercession of St. Sebastian on um, Sebastian's behalf. So our mission, yes, this was like a full-on pilgrimage because <laughs> we were walking with Sophia. Granted, we had like backpacks or strollers. This particular day, I think we had a backpack yep. the whole day. So it's, when I'm traveling around, it's like an extra 30 pounds. One of us is carrying an extra 30 pounds plus an extra 20-pound backpack for toys and, and diaper bag. Mostly snacks and diaper bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we had taken the bus, which was a challenge our first day there, trying to figure that out. And well, we took a subway to the bus, and yeah. then the bus to the Apician Way. And I wanted to walk the Apician Way, but it turned out to be like a road instead of like a path. And so we got up at the stop that we wanted to walk a little bit, and it turned out we walked a lot. Yes. <laughs> to a get lot. to like the end of the road to the catacombs. And the, it was like rush hour, so cars are like whipping by and there's no sidewalks. Literally like two feet. And you could reach out and touch the cars and they were whipping by. Yeah, Italians don't care. Actually, they 
They have a high heightened awareness for pedestrians. They seem so. to care a lot because they do stop very quickly. Yes. If you need it, so. But Just it was a, different a true style pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah. Tested our endurance a little bit for that first day. First full day in Rome. And then the weekend, took an excursion to Florence. I should talk a little bit about that. You've been there before. I'd been there before. It was one of my favorite cities in Italy. Um, we took a train, which is the first time I'd taken a passenger train. So that was a little bit of a learning curve. Oh, for, for those of you guys, the United States take a train or a subway or whatever. You usually have a ticket. It says it's when it's leaving. And it'll say on the board, you know, of all the things that are departing. When it's departing in Italy, within 10 minutes of departure is when it finally shows what train dock you're at. And so it's always like, this, okay, we're waiting, waiting 10 minutes, time to go! You know? And so it's a little bit of a rush. It's, it was a different experience, that's for sure. I haven't experienced anything like that. Well, and the train station in Rome is like an airport, too. So, like, yeah. if you look at, like, departures and arrivals on, like, the airport board when you're searching for your flight, it's the same thing in the train station, and it's just busy, and there were, I think there were 15 platforms. The one where, had, like, 24, wherever that was at. Yeah, there's quite a few platforms that you could choose from, but... Uh, yeah, so we got to Florence. We had gotten tickets. We had booked tickets to the the Duomo and the Bell Tower early, like a couple months prior, which was a good thing because the Bell Tower was going to close on Monday for a whole week. Mm-hmm. So it's really good to like check in advance. I guess we got a lot of advance tickets. And there were things that were closed on Mondays. It seems like it's pretty common in Italy. Things are closed on Mondays. And I think that's just because we were in the saddle season. So if you go in the saddle season when it's not peak tourist season, there's a lot of changes to the hours because a lot of the Italians are now on their vacation because their kind of busy season is done. Yep. Do your research. I think my wife in another life could be a travel agent. So <laughs> she's my planner. <laughs> so we did the Duomo which is the big cathedral in Florence. And then we did the bell tower, which I think was Sophia's favorite. She was awake, yeah. awake for yeah. that one. She really liked climbing up the tower and seeing from way up high. And the whole next week, she's like, can we go to the tower? Tower again. Where's the tower? And she'd like search the rest of the cities for like, where's the tallest building? And call it the tower. You yeah. Know? And then I like art and art museum, but I had to put that aside because we had a two-year-old who was not going to walk through an art gallery. So we didn't see the Statue of David in the Academia, which I had seen before. And then I really wanted to go to the Uffizi Art Gallery, but I was not able to. Although we could have because it was raining and Sophia probably would have been fine. Yeah. But that's, that's one thing, I guess, as far as tip I'll toss in here now is that our mornings were oftentimes flexible. You know, we usually we could do a lot more in the morning. Cause as far was... as like decide how our demeanor is, is she crabby, is she could do something. She usually sat you know, in our stroller for a period of time where we can go for walks and things like that really easily. But we usually didn't book anything until afternoon or late morning. I'm assuming like, well, maybe she'll be napping while we're on this tour. Or maybe we want to let her just sleep in because we don't want to have to wake her up and have her start with a cranky two-year-old. You know, so we like wanted to give her the opportunity to sleep in most nights or most days, you know, if we could. So we wouldn't be leaving till nine o'clock or something like that or whatever before we started our day. So we did have flexibility. Yeah, so then we spent one day in Florence, and then we took a bus to Siena, and we went to Mass in, I think it's St. Dominic's Cathedral, which is where St. Catherine of Siena's head was, Um, and we ended up going to the Mass with an Italian baptism, so the Mass was in Italian, but it was still still pretty cool to see. We had planned on trying to make it to the noon Mass, just the English Mass, and so our, our departure was based upon trying to leave for that, but... It just, like, our bus came right on time, our train came right on time, like, or it came, like, our bus came early, almost, and then our train caught the first, like, an earlier train, 
And then next thing you know, we're in, we're there in Siena at like 9.30 and we're like, hey, let's catch the earlier mass. And, and it was actually just, just starting to rain as we were entering in mass too there. So that was kind of nice to get some cover in the, in the shelter of a church there. So actually yeah. that'd be my first saint that I'd have witnessed an incorruptible part of St. Catherine of Siena. So let's see, we did the Siena Duomo as well and we, that was really cool to see, like, the architecture, I guess. Yeah. Inside. It's a little different style. They call it the zebra church sometimes. Yeah. Um, black we got and white an advanced stripes. tickets for that, too. Yeah, which I guess uh, a little bit of advice there is that if you have a, a child or an infant with you, you actually have to purchase a ticket for them also, right? Even though it's so free, you have to it depends on where you are. So sometimes, like, they're free and you don't need a ticket, like on the train, but sometimes they're free and you do need a ticket, which is what apparently Sienna's Duomo was. Yeah. So they were a little rude to us there. We were lucky, I think, and somehow we got in right away without having shown that that stuff. And then we went up and saw the top of the dome again and kind of walked around there. And that was pretty cool. Talking about different types of marble and stuff and, and everything. And we got back down. We wanted to kind of just walk around in the church a little bit. But we had to get back in. And they're like, oh, where's your ticket? And for Sophia. For Sophia, yeah. And we're like, we don't have one. And they're free, right? Yes, but you need a ticket. It's like, okay, so... You know, double check on a lot of those types of things when you're booking. Um, um, then we came back. We had another day in Florence, which was rainy, and we left early in the afternoon to get back to Rome. Then we had four days in Rome where we just saw Rome sites. We yeah. did the papal audience on Wednesday, which was pretty cool. Well, at least a portion of my listeners here aren't Catholic, but Nora and I are Catholic, and we're devout Catholics. We go to church every single Sunday and everything, and we acknowledge all the holidays and feast days, and... And we have lots so, of prayer incorporated into our family life, too. Yeah, you know, we've got the Advent candles burning here now brightly, so we want to see these saints and seeing these churches and basilicas and things as part of this whole trip, you know, kind of to get some of that in type of information, some of that experience. So the papal audience is one of those things that you can kind of book ahead of time a little bit, get special tickets for certain areas and quadrants to get close to the Pope. Um, and so we got really close, if you imagine four quadrants. And four squares. Four squares, Yeah. And so it makes a cross, there's a road that makes a cross in between the four. Yeah, yep. And we were in the middle of where, where it crosses. And so we got Pope got to drive past us twice. And he gave the sign of a blessing towards my daughter as I was holding her like Simba, like, hey, take her, you know. And Because uh, the Pope likes to bless children. And so his guards will bring children from the barrier to the Pope to bless. Yeah. And then the guard will bring them back. So. Yep. And so as, as I'm holding her like Simba, you know, then. He makes a blessing sign. I'm like, oh. And then he kind of gives me an eye to eye. And it's like, yep, that was for your kids. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Made eye contact with the Pope. Sophia was a little miffed because we had prepped her that someone may come and take her. And you can say hi to Papa Francesco. And so she was ready for it. And then when he just gave the blessing, we're like, he gave you a blessing. And she would say, no, he just said hi to me. <laughs> so she was very sad that the Pope didn't come and get her. But yeah, that's pretty cool. It was still pretty cool. And. This is a little segue for any of my um, college friends that might be listening. I had to go retrieve my papal audience tickets the day before. And as I'm going up to retrieve my tickets, you guys wouldn't believe who I saw. I saw Amanda Anderson, who is now Sister Maria Juan. And so she went and entered the convent a year after I graduated from college in Michigan, went to like Germany and, and um, Washington, D.C. and different places. And she was in Rome for the last year. And so... It was crazy. Just got to meet up with an old friend, and so that was pretty exciting, too. So, But so, yeah, anyways, while we were also in Rome, we saw, you know, the Colosseum. Um, we did just all the tourist sites. Yeah, I got a little tour there, and... 
We didn't hit many of the churches just because we kind of ran out of time. Yeah, there are some other things that we'd like to see. You know, you got get a balance between the churches, between we saw, like, like the Trevantine Fountain, you know, like you just walk, Trevi Fountain, yeah, you can just walk to that. So that was kind of like a little break between being in a building and things. Um, we got a little bit fortunate in terms of, uh, like, when we had our tours, we had, like, a couple of tours booked. One was, we kind of booked last minute with this guy, um, with the Coliseum, and, you know, they have these headpieces in your ears so you can hear the tour guide, and Sophia was kind of making a stink about it for a little bit, you know, but then the next thing you know, it was kind of around the lunchtime, noon hour, one o'clock, and she fell asleep for, like, the whole tour. Same thing happened in Pompeii when we went there, fell asleep for the tour, because the tour was booked right after lunch, like, noon one. Anybody have any other tours? Well, we did the Necropolis. The Necropolis, yeah, which you can't have kids for. So Nora yeah, went no on the first tour, 12. and then <laughs> and I sat around in St. Peter's Square chasing the pigeons with my daughter, you know. Um, she actually fell asleep for a little while, too, there. And then Nora came, and then I went under and went, visited the catacombs, St. Peter's. Um, you could see St. Peter's bones there and everything, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, so we saw a lot of different things there, and hopefully you're taking away some tidbits of information, <laughs> you know. So then our second weekend there, we went to Naples. Yep. The Italian transportation system has planned strikes. So there's a planned strike on the day that we were leaving. So we couldn't take a train. And that was one of the only, one of the only ones we didn't only pre-book. Strike. Yeah, it is the only one we didn't pre-book. Yeah, so we got fortunate there. And then we changed routes and took a bus. So Which ended up being... A little bit cheaper, right? That was a little bit cheaper. Little, but it was like longer. longer. It was like yeah. two and a half hours. But we ended up... Yeah, so we went to Naples. We met up with a friend... From, that flew down from Scotland, so that was nice. We stayed in a nice Airbnb. Yeah. I think yeah. there was eight of us, plus Sophia. So my brother Nicholas and some of his friends, and I think the best part about Naples, I mean, I guess I wouldn't necessarily recommend staying in, in Naples or exploring Naples too much. I would do more, if I, I wouldn't go back to Naples to stay in Naples, I'd probably stay in Sorrento or the island of Capri, just yeah. because Naples in general it was, was really in the area that, Yeah, I was really... And, like, most big know. cities in Europe are really dirty, but it was just, like, unpleasantly yeah, unpleasant. Yeah. But there, are, there is a certain style pastry that's in. I call it the lobster tail. I can't remember what it's called. I don't remember. Maybe I'll throw a link in the show notes and <laughs> you can see this pastry. But I was on a mission to go find one, and our Airbnb guy said, hey, this is where you should go. And I was literally fighting off Italians in line t- to get one of these <laughs> pastries one yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> I think when we got there, so you have to take a ticket, like you do at like the DMV. Yeah. And then you have to wait in line, and when your ticket number is called, then you have to go up and order. And yeah, both day, both we went twice. There's like 20, 30 people in front of me every time. Yeah, and then by the time he's st- like you stepped out, I think they'd like started over again, and they were already. Yeah. So. Yeah. But they were really good, especially if you eat them warm with powdered sugar. Yeah, they were nice. Yeah. So then we came back from Naples, and then we had one day in Rome. Well, in Naples, we took a day trip to, to Pompeii, did a tour. Oh, yeah, we did that. And then came back and had... It was kind of nice. It was kind of chill evenings, those evenings. It's a good time to just chill out with Nicholas and his friends, and we played some kind of Jeopardy game and in the evenings. That was fun. And But yeah, then we came back to Rome again. Did we go to Assisi? Yeah, we went to Assisi the next day. Which is my favorite city. It's an ancient walled city where St. Francis, St. Clair, and now blessed Carlos Atticus. Atticus. Yeah. Yeah. Where his body is. So we got three, two saints and one blessed. That was an eventful day. (laughs) It was a longer train ride there than the time we spent there. It was two hours there, four hours in town, and two hours back. Right. So it was was kind of a long day. Those were a little bit more challenging. That's when we were glad we had... 
backpack of toys. Like, kept Sophia mostly busy. But she could also walk the streets. So we could also let her go because it was not the tour season. There were not any cars. And it was a Monday. (laughs) And so you could literally walk down the middle of the street and not worry about her getting hit by a car, getting lost in the crowd. Because we were usually the only ones on the streets. Tip for some of that traveling, like longer train travels and things like that, is that I'd say us as parents don't give a whole lot of screen to our child. And so screens is a whole new thing. We introduced an iPad on this trip. You know, and had some things downloaded previously so that we, we didn't need internet. And that would keep her relatively busy on the train. You know, if her other toys started, you know, wavering in power. <laughs> so, use it when you need it, and then we did. And uh, that seemed to work really well. But we also noticed an increase in, like, short attention span because of it. Yeah, Like, a little bit afterwards, like, she would... Things would not be as cool or as neat or as fun, and she would only do, like... I don't know. I just noticed that her attention span and her... Like a sticker book only lasted 10 minutes instead of 20. Yeah. So I just noticed the short attention span with the increase in screens. But she did fine coming back. Like, we don't do screens at home. And so I think she's adapted just fine because she she was so happy to be home. Yep. Yeah. I think overall, our itinerary went really well. We had a variety of different things, you know, between museums and tours and, and just walking around, seeing things. I'm just traveling, you know, got gangbusters, seeing one thing after another. So it did. It was kind of nice in a way that Sophia did slow us down. We had to kind of just stop and breathe. I don't know if we necessarily took things in more because usually it was focusing on our child still at that point, you know. But, but it was fun to see her, like, in the churches in the United States that we attend, there's not, like, beautiful mosaics or frescoes on the ceiling. And so walking into a church and teaching her to look up at the mm-hmm. ceiling... Now she looks up at the ceilings when we walk into a church and to look for the pictures. So even just like seeing Rome through her eyes was kind of fun. Or like taking time in the squares because that was her favorite thing was to watch the pigeons and run around with the pigeons and just like be super carefree. And it was just really cool to see her. Yeah. I remember, was it in Siena, that we went and got lunch, we ate, and then we kind of sat in the edge of the squares. Is there a certain name for the square? I think it's the Campo. Yeah. Um, or we also used to have all our Piazza town de Campo. meeting type stuff. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's like not that many people in the square. Like maybe a dozen, two, maybe, you know. And so she was just running around chasing pigeons. And we just sat there and watched her. and Drank th- our coffee. And drank our coffee. And I don't think you could do that in peak season. Like your kid would get lost. So, yeah. I guess you have a favorite thing or favorite place, Nora, that you kind of did? You'd say, don't miss out on this? I would say my favorite is I love the Catholic culture that Rome is, and especially Vatican City. Like, I would for sure go to the Vatican Museums. It is one of my favorites. St. Peter's is beautiful. It's a very wow factor. But I am not a people person or a big city person, and so I really appreciated Assisi just because... It felt like more of a leisure day. It was out in the country. It's an ancient city. When you think of like Italian towns that you, you know, see in book covers or whatever, that is what Assisi is. And the people are just nicer. And it was just quiet and cobblestone and ivory growing on the walls Mm -hmm. and flower pots everywhere. And so that was my favorite was Assisi. Yeah, I I can kind of mimic that. I think, Um, I mean, St. Peter's Basilica... Just 
especially if you have any type of Christian background, you can really, really appreciate that. But if you don't, you can really, really appreciate the artwork and the sculpture and, and all that stuff as well. But that was definitely the biggest wow factor for me. And I also really like to see, see and I'm kind, of, I'm kind of glad that we didn't start with St. Peter's Basilica and stuff. We did that like the last day, second to last day before we left. Well, we'd seen the St. Peter's Square at night the first day we were there. Yes. Which yeah. I think is a must because it's very different at night than it is during the day. It just... Yeah. It's like we were slowly building up the wow factors. Like, went to Florence. Very beautiful Duomo and Bell Tower. You know? And then we kind of... And all the frescoes. and Yeah, and we kind of saw a couple other things similar to it along the way. And ate our gelato. And best place for gelato is... Frigidarium. Frigidarium, yeah. And you got to have the Frigidarium flavor, okay? That's the way to go. It's so good. (laughs) So we had our first uh, ice cream cone there, or... You know, quote unquote, ice cream like cone. actual cone, yeah. yeah versus yep. just eating it out. Didn't of even make that much of a mess. It was great. And then I did like the fact that Assisi had a lot more agriculture. I'm I'm very agriculture focused. And as you're taking the bus from the, from the new town to the old town of Assisi, agricultural kind of intertwined in between. Well, and the Franciscan monastery is there as well, and they do a lot of their own like self sufficiency, which was just really fun to see because it's something that. We could see ourselves replicating yeah. in, in yep. some ways. Maybe one day. Like a garden terrace would be really great. Like the yeah. garden terrace overlooking a CC. <laughs> yeah. Can you build me in a CC? I'll work on buying bricks. <laughs> so I really did enjoy that as well. And I think Sophia's would have been the Children's Museum. Yeah. We went, it's near Piazza Popolo, and we spent. I don't know. I think it was two hours. We bought tickets in advance, but you could buy them there. And she loved it. We basically just devoted a morning. We know, like, halfway through, we are like, you know, because our mornings were flexible, right? We didn't really book a whole lot in the mornings. And one morning, like the day before, we're like, you know what? Sophia needs a morning. Where she can go. She can run. We don't tell her no. We don't tell her wait. She can... Yep. She's not sitting in her stroller. She's not tied to a backpack. You know, she's not on my Mm -hmm. shoulders hanging out. Or she can just get some energy out, you know, too. And utilize her brain a little bit more and... So yeah, I definitely recommend doing that for sure. Taking, making sure you have a morning to. Well, and it was fun and, to see her interacting to... with the Italian children. Oh yeah, <laughs> they spoke Italian and she spoke English, but you could just they still played together like they were like best friends. <laughs> they had a play kitchen. They had there, like a little market there. And, yeah, and they had a huge pool that she could play in, and a play garden that she would take vegetables out and collect the vegetables and then plant them again. So yeah. I highly recommend that. I wish we would have done that. Maybe one other day. I think she would have really enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, that. that last day before going out, like getting some energy burnt out before yeah. the plane ride, probably would have been good. Mm-hmm. But I That was it. fun, even for parents, because you could walk around and interact. Yeah, and it just, wasn't bad. And yeah. it's also kind of just relaxing for the parents, too. You're not yeah. always just like watching your kid. Where are they? What are they doing? Telling them to shush or whatever. So that you can go play. I could sit there in the corner, or in this case, my dinner table, while she served me fake food, <laughs> you know, and not worry about it. Yep. So it was nice. A little bit of a, a brain break. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am glad that we did St. Peter's last. Because in the end, you get this big wow of a building. And you kind of leave on a high note, right? You, know, you don't start with that and everything else is like less than. But I would say, um, if you're going to go to St. Peter's, that you don't need an advanced ticket, but usually the line's long. Yeah, you need to go through security because the Pieta was vandalized a number of years ago. And so mm-hmm. they do a security check and now that sculptures behind bulletproof glass so the line is literally three hours and if you're traveling in the saddle season it's most likely in the rain or if it's in the summer it's most likely hot but we opted for i think it was a city of wonders tour breakfast in the vatican so we got there super early 
We were in a small group, which I highly recommend. Like 10 to 15. I think, it, yeah, I think it was 10 to 15 people. We got breakfast in the pine cone. Got a little um, rain on there, but. But it was underneath. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it so it was, out. And the breakfast was amazing. Like It was an American breakfast, okay? It wasn't Italian toast and. Not whatever, even toast, you know? just <laughs> bread jelly and this one cappuccino. Was the eggs, bacon, and everything. It was the American dream breakfast, you know? It was very good. And then our tour guide was excellent. I think it's Christian. Yep, would recommend him. And for sure. he did a great job. And then you you end in St. Peter's Basilica. Yeah, you get to skip the line and everything, and you get to go. And so that was really that's nice. what I'd say would be the key is that you take a tour like that, so that way you can skip the line to get into the basilica, or do uh, do the necropolis tour. And then you the and also end in the basilica. And you end in the basilica. So you skip that line, but you're instead of sit, waiting in line, you're taking a tour for an hour and a half, two hours first, which has been the same amount of time you've been sitting in line. So, book the tour, don't, don't have to wait the time, and you end up in the right place. Things I didn't quite expect was that, and I'll just, I'll just touch on this briefly because it was something that kind of did frustrate me, was um, the lack of respect of the travelers and other tourists of these religious sites. You know, there's signs when you go into these churches, no pictures, be silent, and lo and behold, there's someone blatantly walking up to the front of this, you know, you know, this depiction of the statue or this, this display of a saint or an altar, walking right up to it, taking pictures two feet away, you know, as far as close as they could get. And it's like, people, okay, not only are you in the middle of the way of everybody else seeing this thing, you're taking pictures, it's not very reverent, it's very rude, disrespectful, not only to the what you're seeing and what you're supposed to be reverent towards, but for everybody else that's there trying to view it. Wasn't a huge fan of that and talking to, you know, there's times where we were like, Going in the Duomo, I think it was. Oh, the Sistine Chapel. Oh, yeah, the Sistine Chapel. Okay. Artwork of... It's the artwork of Michelangelo, and his depiction is all around the Sistine Chapel, and it's wonderful to view, but you're supposed to be silent during it because it's a very reverent... It is the Pope's church. It's where the Pope is elected. It is in the Vatican and right next to St. Peter's. But there are guards every five minutes, no pictures, be quiet, no talking. We have a built-in intercom system. They'll say, they'll be really, really loud, like, reminder, no pictures, no talking. This is a silent place. You know, it's like, okay, we really shouldn't need to have that in place, you know. And I know Americans are getting a bad rep over in Europe for doing things like this. Ridiculous. We're all adults here. Follow the rules, for Pete's sake. Okay, all right, I'm off of my rant. That was very frustrating for me because I'm here. I'm trying to be there, taking all this in, you know, as a Catholic person. I know well, other people are just trying to take in the art, but right, especially when we didn't take pictures. Like we want to remember it, we want to, and we're being respectful, it, and not doing and, it. Yeah, you know. But so, so right around hard. the corner after the end of these tours, sometimes at the entryway, there's little postcards that you can get that's going to be better than any picture that you could take. So just wait till you get to the little spot at the end. Get your little bookmark that has the picture. And then put that in your photo level, you know? I know you want a digital of it, but then take a picture of that. Okay. Anyways, one of the other things I didn't expect was that there was very few public restrooms and very few changing tables, very busy traffic, um, which was sometimes hard with a two-year-old that wanted to walk by herself. So we did end up having to backpack or carrier or put it on our shoulders quite a bit. Well, we can talk about... Um, so we did bring a, a backpack carrier and we brought a stroller. Yep, both options. And we brought them both on the plane, so we didn't check either one of them. And I think the stroller is highly recommended going through airports, just yeah. because there's a lot of sites to see and you don't want to carry. Plus, you're carrying... We had 
two backpacks, one with her stuff in it, and then one with like extra clothes and I think I had a book in there and you had some magazines. Yeah, so what what do we have in each of those? Yeah, we had basically one bag that was a backpack of her stuff. It was basically snacks and food and toys for her. Things to keep her busy and keep her occupied. And the other one had, I think, a couple of change of clothes for us in case we lost luggage or something. Had a book or two for us. And then was it more snacks? Yeah. I would still bring both those backpacks. I don't know if I would bring a... I don't know. I was torn on the hiking backpack because... Our daughter would be great in it for the first, like, she'd only sit in the stroller backpack for maybe two to three hours in the morning only, and then she wouldn't sit in it the rest of the day, so we ended up either carrying the stroller or carrying the backpack, Sometimes when she and then napped, carrying her. When she napped, she did utilize it, or we, like, put her in it after she was falling asleep, which is great for some of the tours. I don't know, it's... It's just kind of bulky. At least with the backpack, it's on your shoulders, and it's, you know, not really in the way. With the stroller, you can put one of our, you know, carry-on bags that we were hauling around town into the stroller. If she needs to hold it, you need to hold her. So it takes a little weight off the feet. Um, I mean, I think it was good. One of the tips I have here is provide options for your child. And I think having the option for her to pick a stroller or pick a backpack in the morning made the mornings more easy. Because, like, if all we had was a stroller and a stroller only, she'd be like, oh, no, I don't want a stroller. And then you'd be stuck carrying it right off the bat. So I think giving her the option to choose a stroller, or a backpack to start the day. Started us off on the right note, but it only lasted so long. I don't know. What do you think, Nor? Next time, what would you choose? Backpack, stroller? Well, I would for sure bring a stroller, because I think that was the most beneficial. And then I probably wouldn't bring a hiking backpack. I'd maybe bring, like, a wild bird sling, just because we could still carry her. You could even carry her on the side or the back or the front. So she would be still in a backpack, but we wouldn't, it would fold up into a tiny square. So it would just fit into and a can, backpack. And then the stroller would have a little compartment you toss that thing in. Right. So then it would free up someone that wouldn't have absolutely nothing. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, while we were touring around, we had one backpack that was mostly just a diaper bag and some snacks. Oh, and toys. And our toys were mostly like reusable sticker books. We had some water wow. Some party favor stamps. I think that was like the biggest hit. Oh, and these were all things that she hasn't seen seen before. Yeah. So key is bringing new toys. Don't bring all of her, her old stuff. I mean, well, we did bring her baby. Bring her baby with. Bring her comfort item, right? You got to bring yeah. a comfort item to comfort her when she's in the backpack under stroller all by herself. Maybe help her fall asleep or whatever. But everything else should be pretty much new. Um, otherwise, she's gonna get bored of it way too easily. But um, as a caveat, like make sure that it's something that they're actually gonna play with. So sure. like she had been gifted. One of the party favor stamps is a birthday present from one of her friends. And so she had been playing with that and I saw that she really enjoyed it. So then I went and got more stamps of different colors. Or we had a very small reusable sticker book and she would play with that sometimes. And so then I would, I got three different varieties. So like, yes, it should be new and exciting. Like we didn't give them to her before, but I knew that she would actually play with them because I didn't want to haul around toys that I didn't. Yeah. That she wouldn't play what's, with. What's the one thing that I contributed to the backpack that you thought, oh, she's never going to use this? I don't remember. Was there something? Can you find Waldo books? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Sophia's going to love this. She's going to look in there and try to I find I mean, they Waldo. were a little advanced. They were. They were a little advanced for a two-year-old. And you did look at one book all the time, so she knew exactly where he was on every single page. <laughs> And we did look up, look at it for about a week prior. 
or two weeks prior, maybe even. So she's and she got, would get frustrated when she when you went to a new book and you couldn't find them right away. We, we eventually broke into two books out of the five, but yes. she would go to that book fairly often. And because those Waldo books, you get to find them. But there's also so much going on in there. Half the time there's pictures of animals that you can find, dolphins on the bird, you know, the swimming page or whatever. And the pirate page, you know, she'd notice the whales or something. And so it was a lot of, a lot of imagery in that one little book. So yeah, we brought one comfort item, so her baby. And then we also have a routine of reading books before bed. So we did bring three, I think we brought three small board books. And that was just mm-hmm. kind of our routine was, okay, let's. Oh, and, and something abstract too. Like you brought just crayons. And then we had, like, blank sheets of paper. Yeah, or post-it notes with, like, emoji faces on them. She loved that and was sticking Stick them on, on everyone. Yeah, and... on the train seats and everything. Yeah. So there was a variety of everything, but... Mm-hmm. Um, provide options for your child. You know, like, your child likes mommy or daddy, you know, so then you give them an option. You know, what pair of pants you want to wear, this one or that one. You know, stroller or a backpack. Children enjoy options, and it makes them feel in charge, and it gives them a voice, um, which I think is really good. Leave room for flexibility in your child plans. Kind of mentioned this a little bit. Don't spend an entire day looking at our museums. It's not going to go well. Set aside certain times of each day, whether it's morning or afternoon, to have some flexibility. And know when your child's done with the day. So, like, the last day we wanted to hit a bunch of the churches. Last last minute things we hadn't hit yet, you know, we wanted to go to. But she was not having a great day. She was done. She was tired. She was ready to go. And so we just went back to the... It was, like, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, all right, we're just going to head back to the convent convent where my brother was at and... We're just, we're done for the day and she just can play around. Up. Yep, we'll hang with, hang with my brother and we just kind of hung out mm-hmm. in the room and, yep. you know, so pass just, things up. and Yeah, so not pushing your child past those limits. Yeah, and make it fun. Continually engage with your child. You know, mm-hmm. you're there for her also. So, you know, I know you want to see things, but, you know, she's also very, very important. And it was something that was important to me that Joe could experience room because I had been there before. So... When we were on these tours and Sophia was awake and she was being crabby, like I would be the one to try to manage that so that Joe could experience Rome for the first time as well. Yeah, I mean, important thing is take turns as parents too. Don't always leave it on the same one. I know Nora got a little frustrated always being the navigator because usually that's her job or task at hand. But <laughs> the public transportation system was a little bit difficult at times. Well, and I was just being stubborn. And there's there, Google Maps lied to us at least once or twice. At least once or twice. Yeah. Um, things that we do differently, um, probably bring the wrap instead of the backpack. Like the bell tower in Florence, you're not allowed to bring backpacks in. There's places you can go check backpacks. Or St. Peter's. You can't bring it in St. Peter's. Yeah. So there's, the wrap would have just been a little more versatile, I think. Yeah, we could have been like, oh. But we've never used a wrap either. So it's kind of a catch-22. You could bring it and she may not like it or she would maybe like it, so. Yeah. Gosh. Pushing to the longest episode that we're ever going to have here. But there's a lot to talk about and unpack here in this on this one trip. But um, I'll say let's wrap it up with what we noticed when we got home. Because people, you know, saying, "Hey, Sophia's not going to remember this." You know, we're going to remember it for our own sake because we're you know we're selfish individuals want to be with our child. But is she going to remember it? You can tell when she was there, she was very engaged and interactive and things. But what happened when we got home, Nora? You know, what did we see? Is there anything we differently we saw in Sophia's composition or? Which way she played or anything like that? Well, I noticed that she mentioned Papa Francesco quite a bit, which is Pope Francis. And she was telling everyone about the airplane ride. She now plays vacation. So she goes on vacation. She has a play, like one of our old flip phones that she like pretends to take pictures because she saw us taking a lot of pictures. 
She orders train tickets on her phone now, because that's what I was doing most of the time, and then plays, you know, train, like, here's your ticket, mommy, for the train. So I just noticed, like, a lot of, like, her, instead of the cars, like, it's more so, more public public transportation now. Yeah, and she, like, puts on a little backpack and grabs a little stroller and pushes baby in there, and she's like, go on vacation, and just, like, starts walking around the house, comes back, I'm back! <laughs> like, where'd you go? Oh, we went to the grocery store, get bread, <laughs> or whatever, but yeah, her highlights were definitely the, the towers. Like, if you ask her, oh, what'd you do in Rome, Sophie? We went on an airplane. Yep, the airplane was a cool, pretty cool. We saw Uncle Nicholas, you know, and she she actually still remembers. We, we do pray with our child every day, and we ask her, well, who do you want to pray for? You know, who do you want to, who needs help or, you know, whatever, and she'll, some, she'll sometimes say, Robert and Colby. Two of Nicholas's friends that came with us to Naples. That oh, and Madison, which is Nicholas's girlfriend. Can't forget to say her on here in case she listens. No. <laughs> but so she remembers the individuals that she met. And you ask her, what was her favorite part? She'll say, like the tower, pigeons, and Papa Francesco. And you ask her, you know, what what uh, color hat was Papa Francesco wearing? Oh, it was a white hat. And, you know, and what color was his car? White. <laughs> you know, she she remembers this stuff. And... She may not remember it five years from now, but it's definitely changed her, it's definitely impacted her imagination. She knows that she's not limited to this little worldview that she has at home. She's not limited to her house and her daycare. And it's broadened her horizons and hopefully, you know, yeah, I guess I'm not sure what we're going to expect to get out of this by bringing her with, but. She asks every weekend since if we can go visit Uncle Nicholas again. And they're like, oh yeah, he'll be home for Christmas. Okay, airplane, two days. <laughs> Um, it's not the first trip that we had with her, so we did know her composition and demeanor going in. Yeah. Any final thoughts, Nora? Anything that we missed? No, kind I of a lot to take in. <laughs> I think that about covers it. Yeah. We don't have any trips planned now. I think our next trip is going to be the UK. A friend of ours, Loren in Scotland, I think, on the horizon somewhere in the next five years, because that's when our contract's up, for sure. But Or not, maybe not. Maybe she gets extended, but... We do want to go to Scotland and do England and London and stuff for that. And I do want years. to see the art galleries and the history because I've always wanted to go to London. So we're still teetering on, are we going to bring kids to that trip or is it going to be more of an adult trip? Right. And Sophia would have gone and experienced a trip as a young child already at that point. So that's good. And there's more opportunities for her down the road. Yeah. I think now that we said, we may not take her with on the second trip. But uh, the take home point, I think, of this whole thing is that if you think your child can handle it, just do it. Bring the kids with. Because they're always going to remember it. Or at least certain aspects of it. Yeah. If they may not remember it, at least they're going to be formed by it. Yeah, we'll leave it at that. Thank you very much um, for tuning in and staying staying with the podcast, even through the break here. So, yeah, there might be more breaks come. You know, I'm kind of like a semi-weekly. I don't always get one every week, but usually I get one at least in every two-week period. This winter here, we'll be spending a little bit more time talking about some of the homeschooling type topics and taking us a little more time talking about family things um, and things like that. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year.